Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. As we finish this series on money, so okay, last, last message, last talk on money. You guys could take a deep breath. Next week, it's going to be so good. It's on long suffering. So, uh, <laughs> so money, it needs a mission or it will become a master. Kingdom investing is an act of faith, giving into people and initiatives for the expanding of God's kingdom. And so I want to talk to you for a second about investing. So investors are typically focused on this acronym. It's ROI. Does anyone know what that means? Return on investment. So you could invest like 10%, uh, you could invest, let's just say $10,000. And if you got a, a return in a year of $1,000, then that's a 10% return on your investment. And that's respectable. It's a good investment. You could get an, have an investment that returns 20%. And that's a great investment. But occasionally, they'll ha- you'll, you could have an investment that's, let's say you invested $10,000 and in six months, the investment doubled. That would be great, right? And so if that happened, you could actually pull your initial investment of $10,000 out and still have $10,000 in the investment. And so, and, if, and whatever your return is on your investment that's in, still in being invested, you cannot really give a rate of return for that. It's, it's infinity because you have no money invested still of your own. And so that investment, you could say, is unquantifiable. And that's what it is like when you invest in God's kingdom. It has the highest rate of return. The investment is unquantifiable in its return. Not because it becomes not natural, it becomes supernatural. And let me just tell you, God is so multifaceted. And over the last 31 years, I have been amazed on how God moves when you invest in his kingdom. The scripture we're using, it's uh, Matthew 6, 21 and 24. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one, and I mean no one, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve them both. But let me, I wanted to tell you something. You can serve God and have money. You can serve God and have money. See, money is the most horrible leader in the world, but it's a great follower. So this is, let me give you the key on how you can serve God and still have money. Because money, let me ask you a question, guys. Is money good or bad? 
I just, I like a uh, little uh, participation. Good, bad? It's nothing. It's neither. Money is like, money is neutral. It takes on the character of the person that has it. So if you have money and you invest it in God's kingdom, then it's good. If you have money and it pulls you away from the things of God and turns you in just to, like a greedy jerk, then it's bad. But it will take on your character. So the key to serving God and having money is found in Matthew 6.33. And it's such a powerful verse that um, if I had a tattoo, I would have it tattooed. <laughs> if I knew how to tweet, I would tweet it. I have it on my, in my office at my house. I have it on the office of my work. And, this, and I have it in the Barclay translation. And here's what it says. Make the kingdom of God and life and loyalty to him the object of all your endeavors. Then everything will come to you as a matter of place. So what happens is money will be a byproduct of us serving God with our life. And so uh, my scripture for you guys today is uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. And I, let me just tell you what's going on in this, uh, in this scripture is the Apostle Paul. How many know who the Apostle Paul is? Thank goodness. I was teaching the interns recently and I asked them if they knew who Billy Graham was. None of them knew who Billy Graham was. The Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so he's writing this letter to the church of Corinth. And they were, they were planning on investing into God's kingdom in the church of Jerusalem. And so he writes this letter to them to remind them of their commitment uh, to the gospel, to invest in the gospel. And he instructs them on how to do it. And then the best part about it is then he encourages them and tells them about all the benefits. So this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12. Remember this, whoever sows, and I'm gonna word the, word the, use the word invest, whoever invests sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever um, invests generously will also reap generously. Each, so let me just start with this. It's all in proportion to what you have. This, this first verse is all about proportion. So let me share this with you. God's not interested in what you don't have. And, and you might say, how do you know that? Because there's a scripture that says that. It's 2 Corinthians 8, 12. And it says, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so investing in God's kingdom is really just a heart thing. It's just a condition of our heart. And let me, let me share this with you. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life. Every issue of your life is a heart condition. 
So if you're getting, if you get upset at one person, sometimes you might get upset at everybody. So guard your heart and protect your heart. And we've had, Jan and I've had to do that over the years. And it's the most important because even your giving or your investing in God's kingdom will always be a condition of your heart. And here's where it gets good. And God is able. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is able. And God is able to bless you, church, abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And I want to stop there for a second where it says he'll give seed to the sower and bread for food. It shows us, church, that there's a clear distinction of our, what is to be done with our income. See, some that comes in is for seed. Some that comes in is for consumption. I drove here today. How many drove here? I had to put gas in my car. I need something to, for consumption, right? But here's the challenge. Don't eat your seed. Don't consume your seed. You know, I was meeting with, uh, I had actually spoken the first time on giving in my whole life, right? It was like 25 years ago. The pastor asked me to get up and share uh, over the offering. And I, I think I shared Matthew 6.33 because it was my only verse forever, right? And so I walked out to, the, uh, to my truck and some guy comes up to me. And I was really early in my career and me and this guy were making the same amount of money. And he came up to me and goes, you know, not all of us could afford to give, you know? And uh, I looked at his car that had, uh, this is 25 years ago, they were very popular. He had spinners on his rims. Which I, I think maybe it was cool for a minute, right? <laughs> Till everyone found out if you put aftermarket rims on your car, they don't drive very good, you know? And then I looked at my truck and I had stock rims, which worked fine. And this is what I said to him. I said, we're both making the same amount of money. We, we just, I just chose to do something differently with my money. You will be made rich, and as a byproduct of this, check it out, church, you will be made rich in every way so that you could be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you're supplying is not only meeting the needs of God's people, but it also this investing you do in God's kingdom will also overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. So um, as we talk about investing in God's kingdom, what am I doing here? I'm so glad to be here. I'm like, even if I'm like something doesn't go right, I mean, you guys got to love me because this is my, my church, right? I don't have to be perfect, right? None of us have to be perfect. I don't want to be perfect. I just want to be powerful. Okay, so um, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 9 in the message translation, 
I want to give you this one piece of verse. Maybe you could put it up for me. It says, as one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. And I want to really focus on that, on that end of that verse. Right living positions us for right giving. Right living positions you for right giving. If you live right, you can give right. If you live wrong, like the guy that had the spinners on his car, then you won't be able to give right. And I just had some thoughts this last week, and it's we have become a consumption culture. I have to have it. Okay, I love to pick on uh, the uh, millennials, so I will. So, you know, you hear people and they're like, I have to have my Starbucks before work. You, do you really have? <laughs> I have to have it. Look at, I love a uh, double espresso latte frappuccino with a dash of goat milk as much as the next person. but I buy coffee from Costco, it costs 20 cents. Why would I spend $5 on something that costs 20 cents? Church, here's some thoughts. Live on less than you earn. Give like you're making more. Live like you're making less. Luke 14, 28, it says, if anybody wants to build a tower... That word tower is symbolic for a life. If anybody wants to build a life, should he first sit down and count the cost to make sure he has enough to complete the tower? We got to count the costs. Okay, so at work, um, I bring my own lunch. I'm really in a season that if I want to, I could go out every day, right? But for years, I've been bringing my own lunch. And check this out, my lunch cost about three to four dollars to bring to work. Some people I work with, they go out to, work, uh, out to lunch every day. It costs 20 dollars. So that's 500 percent more. Now to be transparent, most of the reason that I'm uh, eating my lunch at work is because I can't really control what's in the food that I buy at a restaurant. And it takes 12 minutes to drive to a restaurant and 12 minutes back. I save 25 minutes. But I also save, their lunch costs $5,000 a year. My lunch costs 1000 That leaves me enough room to invest. If we spend all we got and we, then we don't have enough to invest, that's not God. Here's a couple thoughts. A dollar saved, there's a saying, a dollar saved is like a dollar earned. That's not true. A dollar saved is more than a dollar earned because a dollar saved, you've already paid taxes on that money. So a dollar saved is like between a dollar 20 and $2, depending on your tax bracket. You know, so um, uh, last year, 
uh, like God had put on uh, Janet and I's heart to give, um, get, to give one of our cars away to a pastor that was at our church here, uh, Jeff and Fawn Peterson, that moved to Orange County, right? And we had this car um, that was like, uh, needed a new transmission, and so I was going to get the transmission fixed, and then I was going to give it uh, to them because, you know, they sold everything they had. They started this church in Orange County, and they only had one car. And so um, then the Lord, started, uh, uh, the Lord started putting on my heart, um, you need to give them a nicer car. And so um, I'm like, should I give them my car? And so, um, which don't go out and give someone uh, your car unless you have some other plan, okay? Because if... Just because you heard that I did it, you may be walking, okay? <laughs> so no time ever in the history of our church or the history of us as a people have we needed to hear the voice of God yeah. in this season. Yeah. And so um, I was like, okay, you know, so um, I made a, a little plan and um, you know, I, I gave him my car and it was like seven years old and it's kind of the way I do it. I, I buy a car, I'll drive it for like seven years, I'll depreciate it out and then um, I'll, I'll usually give it to a pastor. And so um, I gave him my, my car and I was gonna drive the company truck uh, for a while while um, I looked for another car because I never buy a car on impulse, ever. I always plan it out for months, okay? And I've been able to save like 10, 20, $30,000 on cars just by taking my time. You know, I met with one, one of my clients that's a billionaire, and I said, can you tell me the number one key? And he freaked me out by telling me the number one key is patience. So I was like, I'm gonna be patient. And so um, the problem was, my daughter took the truck, because she's remodeling these houses in Joshua Tree, and the only thing left was the car that the transmission was broken. But I'm like this, you know what? I could drive it back and forth. <laughs> my house is only like three miles, right? You know, people at my work are starting to go like this. Hey, do we, do we need to loan you some money to buy a car? <laughs> and you know, I was going to buy another car, but prices of cars were like 10,000 over sticker. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it just not doing it. And then, you know, Janet started going, hey, this car you're driving is not safe. You're responsible for a lot of people. You need to get a new car. And so on uh, December 31st, I went to um, the dealership and they had one car that wasn't over sticker, right? And it was the car that I wanted. And so um, I sat there with them. I'm like, hey, uh, I know that you'll do it for 5,000 under sticker, but if you want, do you guys want to sell it tonight? And they're all, we want to sell it tonight. I go, then you have to go 10,000 under sticker. And they're like, we can't do that. I'm like, okay, you know, and then I, I guess I'm not going to buy a car, which I really needed a car, right? <laughs> I had my best poker face in the world that day. Because <laughs> Janet had told me, you're not leaving without a new car. And so they're like, and I'm like dressed in, you know, like, hey, I have like a style. It's like a hoodie and shorts. Janet keeps telling me, I, you have to get a style. I'm comfortable as a style, right? And so Janet tells them to Google me because <laughs> they weren't sure I could afford the car. 
<laughs> the guy comes back and he's like, sir, would you like a latte or a you know? <laughs> Hey man, don't judge a book by its cover. So I was able to buy the car that I wanted for 10,000 under sticker. And I'm very intentional about this kind of stuff, church. And the main reason I'm intentional about this kind of stuff is because I know the value of a dollar. And I know if I overspend, then we won't have money to invest in God's kingdom. And so, um, you know, we got, you know, this, this thing, this consumption culture, right? And it's like, you know, this, I heard this term recently, it was, Retail therapy. I'm like, what is that? And my daughter's like, oh, that's been around forever. It's like people have a bad day and they, they say, I deserve to go shopping. Why don't we try something different, church? Why don't we try generosity therapy? <laughs> Encouragement therapy. I mean, I was having a bad day a couple weeks back, and, and you know what? I took a ministry call at lunch, and I was having a bad day, and I was able to encourage another businessman during my lunch, and it made me feel so much better. I didn't have to go out and buy a pair of Air Jordans. Church, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses are broke. The Joneses are in debt. Seriously. We got to redefine cool. Okay? Cool does not mean you have a $600 pair of shoes. Cool does not mean you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt. Cool is the ability to give to others. Okay? Cool is the ability to invest in others. Invest in others. Church, the best return on, who wants to know the best return on investment? That's unquantifiable. It's the best investment that we can make in our lives is investing in others. You know, and we do so many things because it makes us feel a certain way, right? And, you know, um, when I first became Christian, they talked about uh, fighting through your feelings. But I'll tell you, one of the feelings, the best feelings is to give to others. It's to sow and invest in the lives of other people. Wanna, um, let me give you a scripture, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's a great commission, and, and I'll give it to you in the message translation because I have that uh, translation memorized. Um, this is Jesus talking. He says, God has authorized me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet in this God way of life. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you as you do it. And the, the way that we invest, or the word we use, disciple, but it also could be equip, train, help, is the way we do it is found in Titus 2, 7, and 8. And it says this. It says, mostly by doing it yourself. Your words, solid and sane, 
incorruptible in your teaching. And then when people see that there's nothing misguided about you, they will eventually come around to the truth. So let's just do it ourselves. When we do it ourselves, other people watch us do it, and that's how we equip and help others. We have to be intentional. Everybody has to find a rhythm that they could do this. For me, it's, it's something that I've just said, I am going to invest in the lives of other people. And the reason why I could do it is because people have invested into me. And I'm so appreciative to the pastors and the spiritual leaders over the years that have invested into me. You know, there was a young man here at our church three years ago, and he was one of the interns. And I wanted to get a marketplace group going in interns. So, you know, I called the, uh, uh, the leader and I said, hey, I'm looking for one of the students to, be, uh, uh, to lead a marketplace group. And uh, they came back and they go, uh, well, there's, there's one student He's not a very good student. And he's never done a business. And I said, but he wants to do it. So I started talking to him. I'm like, hey, I want to, you want to lead a marketplace group? He's like, yeah, I, I actually feel like I'm going to be in business after I graduate interns. You know what? He became one of the top students. I have this picture of him. He had 18 students with my book and the workbook. He had 18 of the interns doing a marketplace group. I talked to him last week just to check how he was doing. Um, after he graduated, he moved back home to Vancouver and he became a construction project manager at the age of 21. Church. He already, uh, he just built his first for sale house on his own. Uh, it was actually his second. His first, he made $100,000. His second, he made $150,000. And he's 22 years old. You know, um, uh, years, years ago, I, I was speaking at a Christian business conference and um, Janet said, hey, I want you to meet with this guy. And I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, afterwards, honey, I want to relax. I want to rest. And she's like, no, you need to meet with them. And, you know, just Janet, uh, uh, Janet's kind of like the pretty voice of the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, when she wants me to do something, you know, 99% of the time happens, right? So she's like, no, I want you to meet with them. And I'm like, okay, I will. She's all, he has a business. He's just getting started. And I'm like, okay, honey, I mean, I'll do it. And so um, he met with me and, you know, we just started talking. He had a small uh, drywall business. He was just getting going. And uh, he's like, ask me, he goes, give me one thing. What's the one thing you'd do if you were me? I said, I'd go back to my church and I'd double my giving. He's like, what? I said, it's, a, it's an act of faith. I said, it will become an accelerant on everything you do. It will accelerate what God wants to do in your life. And let me just tell you, he's a hard worker. He's excellent in his job. He takes, he looks for opportunities. Church, opportunities are coming your way. That's not the question. The opportunities of God are coming your way, church. That's not the question. Will we, will we notice that they're God's opportunities? And will we receive them so that our influence could grow and we could help more people? That's the question. He went back, you know, he's working hard. He's taking advantage of opportunities. He's excellent in his job. 
And like his pastor starts calling me a year later and the pastor's like, hey, I need you to come. Can you just come? And he just warned me down and I finally came. And so um, they had started their own marketplace. And so the guy that I had invested in, um, he had a group of 20 business people that he was investing in. And I talked to some of those 20 people and you know what was so exciting when they were telling me that they were now investing in other people. So listen, I invested in Chris. He invested in these other guys and these other uh, business people. And then now they are investing in others. And that's the way the kingdom of God is built. Uh, If the band would come up. um, Hey, you guys, you should, let me encourage you. I have like twice as much for second service because I watch Pastor Jude. He goes longer in second service. So I got a ton of stuff for you for second service. Hang out. We'll fill this place up. And Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what um, allowed um, me to invest into people is that I've been invested into. And so um, I'm so thankful for the spiritual leaders that invested in me. You know, about 20 years ago, church, Jan and I got um, uh, this opportunity to go to our first Christian business conference. We had never been to anything like that. And uh, we didn't even know what to expect, right? And, uh, but we were excited, you know, to see what, what God would do. And so uh, we went to this Christian business conference and the first speaker was just, he was on fire. He was this, he's this, he's passed away now, but he was this little guy, probably five foot three at the tallest, maybe five foot two. But you could, I could see Jesus all over him. And he had such a faith. And I was like, I loved him. Right? I ran over to his table afterwards and I got a copy of his book. Which legend has Pastor Jude actually gave him the title for his book. <laughs> and uh, he signed a copy of it for me. And um, I just, you know, he was just, it was amazing. And, you know, we all need people like that as examples. And so uh, the next day, uh, Jan and I saw him and his wife eating breakfast. She's super sparkly, and so is Janet. So Janet's all, I love her. They're all bedazzled, you know. (laughs) And Janet goes, let's buy them, let's buy them their breakfast anonymously. So we did, you know, and um, I guess they they went to the waitress and said, "We, we need to know who did this. So the waitress finally broke down and told them it was Janet and I, and they came up to us and they're like, we don't even know you guys. And uh, Janet goes, uh, uh, my husband, Mike, uh, loved your speaking and I loved it too. And we just loved hearing your stories of faith and how you invested in God's kingdom. And so um, a year later, Janet and I, we were so um, inspired that we did our own little Christian business conference. You know, 100 people got born again. <laughs> That never had been. I invited this this man to come be our speaker because I love him. 
And he came and he was the speaker, right? And then afterwards, started building a relationship and connection with him. And, and he said, I'd like you to come to my church in Seattle and speak at our marketplace. I had never spoke outside of my church. I'd never spoke to a group, right? I had a couple testimonies, right? And so um, I said, well, tell me a little bit about it. And he told me like the previous speaker was Robert Morris, the author of A Blessed Life, 20 million copies sold. And I never spoke outside the church. I just wanna let you know, I was very nervous. My prayer was this, God, please let me not be the worst speaker they've ever had. He had asked for a copy or a video or a recording of me speaking and I didn't have one. And he was like, you know what? I just kind of feel like uh, I should do this, Mike. So I'm gonna take, take the risk. And let me just tell you, investing in God's kingdom will require risk. It will require risk but the return is so great, it's unquantifiable. It's infinity because God is so multifaceted. You know, so um, I went out there and like, you know, um, I, I, got to, I stayed at his house and like he has these, all these pictures of him and George Bush and him and Oral Roberts and him and uh, Billy Graham. I mean like, you know, this guy knows everybody, right? And, you know, like he goes, hey, I know you haven't done this a lot, so let me help you. Let me walk you through how to do it. And so, um, which I was very grateful for. And he goes like this, um, he goes, you're gonna do great. He goes, um, I, I took a big risk, so I'm believing you're gonna do great. <laughs> and, and after I was done speaking, right, um, we were driving back just the two of us, and he turns to me and he goes like this, that was first class. God's got something for you. You know, over the years after that, every time someone would call him and ask him uh, about Marketplace Ministry, he would give them my number. He told them, he goes, Mike Rovner is the, uh, is the expert on Marketplace Ministry. I had just started it. I'm like, Don, you are the expert. He goes like this in church, I'll never forget it. He said, you're next. You're next. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, I was next. Church, tap the person in front of you on the shoulder and say, you're next. You're next. God's got something for you. Church, everybody is just looking for someone they respect and they admire to just tell them they have greatness inside of them. Leadership is about giving somebody else a permission slip to be great. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we've just even over the last uh, six months, we've had hundreds of churches start to download our model of marketplace. You know, Don Ostrom was right. He was right. I was next. He was a. He's passing the baton to me. But there's a world that we need to pass the baton to, church. There's people in our church that are just looking for someone to just release them into their greatness, to invest into their life. 
We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.